what began as an experiment to bring my 11-year-old daughter into my business has evolved into Our Young Creators, a podcast, a training center, and a movement dedicated to equipping kids with real-world marketable skills so that they can fund their own brighter futures. We're here to inspire you to turn consumption time on devices into creation time and use technology as a tool to bond and not bicker with your kids. Join us each week as we share the inner workings of our partnership and bring you stories from guests of all ages and from all walks of life on our quest to nurture and to celebrate our young creators. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so glad you are here today, either live, catching the replay, or listening over on the podcast, because I have a special guest for you today. My guest is Mary Jo Stabler, and we met about four months ago inside of a course that we have been taking, and we've been learning how to be better on video and do really cool things with video. And I'm excited to bring Mary Jo on because in the couple of months that I've known her, I've been following her online and I'm just so inspired and so resonate with her message and the way that she shows up in the world. In particular, the way that she represents colors and how she puts color schemes together, I am just enthralled with. And so that's why we called this topic today, Color Your World. So Mary Jo, I want to welcome you to our young creators. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this interview has been a long time coming. When I first started following you, we have a couple of mutual friends in the course that we took together. And it's just been a really cool progression to see you do so many cool things and really serve in a bigger way. And and again, one of the things that I just have been so infatuated with is this idea about color. Before we dive into color, though, I would love to kind of go back to the beginning of this story. Can you tell me how long you have been working in website design and development? Yeah, so I've been working since the early 2000s. It's it's something I've picked up when I was in university or college. Um, uh, when I was there, I was doing a lot of side jobs. Like I had to you know, pay my way through college uh, outside of having loans. And so I landed in this spot where I was helping professors and other teachers there uh, build websites or use technology to help implement whatever they're trying to teach with their uh, students. And so even though I was a chemistry major at the time, which is kind of crazy, (laughs) I realized I really had this passion for using technology, especially even with the design aspect to it, and uh, just trying to bring stuff to life and bring people to to learn or to, you know, be engaged with technology so that they can, you know, and broaden their life. 
that's where I've come from. And I love that because it was a story that sort of evolved. You took something that you loved, you were helping others do it, and now you've turned that into a business. And I, I really appreciate that you were able to do it in college because right now my oldest is 15 and she's thinking about planning for college and how is she going to pay for it and she just actually finished her first website recently which got me super excited and so being able to talk to you and to pass on your words of wisdom to her because I think for a lot of kids out there the technology is so accessible it's getting easier to use and kids are pretty much just naturals at most of these things so I would love to know what advice would you give to a parent whose kids may be interested in doing something with websites, but maybe the parent isn't very tech savvy and they're not really sure how to help their kids best? What might you recommend for them? So there's a lot of great sites out there that help people learn how to either code or do some design, especially when it comes to websites. Um, I'm trying to think of a few that on top of my head of what there are. Um, but there's like, um, I think it's called Codebase, um, Code, Code Camp, that you can actually you know, spend up a whole time learning how to do, do stuff. They give you projects to work on where you, you know, help people with their sites, especially like in the, in the nonprofit sector, and, and eventually learn how to do a full website and the whole design process as well as development and get you launched into a career of building websites, which is fabulous. But the thing is like, there's so much out there, like you said, on the internet to learn how to do website yourself or design or best practices, as well as a great community. There's a great community of designers and developers out there who aren't necessarily, I mean, there are some, but most of them are willing to help you learn, help you figure out how to do something um, if you're stuck with building something for a, a website. Um, but yeah, there's just so much information out there. So just getting them into, I know that there's um, like girl code, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Organizations out there. Um, there's summer camps to help people learn how to um, uh, code. So that doesn't necessarily that a parent has to know and teach the kid. It's more like there's a lot online online resources and community uh, groups and summer camps that you can learn. That's basically how I did. I learned when co in college how to do all the stuff that I've done, and I've I've learned ever since, either on the job because I was very fortunate for that. Or, you know, just on my own time, learning from the internet and, and just learning as I go along because it's a continuous process. There's no like you yeah. learn it and you're done. You got to keep going at it. Yes, I love Professor Google or Google University, as lots of people call it. There is such a wealth of information available literally at our fingertips and to be able to point our kids in the right directions and to show them websites and organizations that can kind of help them get to that level. So I will make sure that I go back and post links to some of those resources you just mentioned because I think they're really, really good ones. And even at my kids' school, at the middle school right now, they've implemented a monthly uh, night of code, like family night of code. We have yet to go, but I'm curious about how they approach this idea. And schools seem very open to wanting kids to learn it because I think schools really see that there's a, a huge market as we go into the future about this, in this online space. And coding, definitely having those skills can 
help these kids create all sorts of jobs and occupations that may not even exist today. Yeah, I mean, just the learning the idea of, of logistics um, can help you in a variety of, of jobs that, that are available out there outside even just technology. Um, understanding the, um, how to problem solve, those kind of skills. They're all yeah. in when you do coding or when you design the website. So it's um, a skill set you can use in, in everyday life. Yeah, and I love that you said problem solving because I think that when I look at the school day and how school is structured in the whole, I don't see a lot of time spent actively letting kids problem solve. A lot of times they're in this little box where they're given some tools and they're given, you know, formulas or specific ways to do things. They don't get a lot of time to put those together in new novel ways to really apply the information. I see lots of memorization happening, regurgitation, and I know teachers are pressed for time. So I, there's a lot of things, you know, that are in the mix here. But I love the idea of this particular piece, web design, code. It's all about problem solving because I think that it's one of the greatest gifts we can give to our kids. If they can look at a situation, whether it's something in their careers or in their lives, and be able to look at it from a very logical perspective and be able to problem solve with the resources they have, I think that's a great, great tool for them to carry on. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically when, when people are coding or developing stuff, that's what they're doing. They're looking to get to an end result of, of, of some sort of um, feature that needs to be done. And it's like, okay, so I have all these tools, which is a variety of tools. So how do I use these to, to get to that end result? So it's a perfect tool. Absolutely. Hey, I'm curious to know, what is the difference between a web designer and a web developer? Because I know you have both of those titles. Some people have one or the other. Can you tell me what the difference is? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because a lot of people think a designer can just do all the website and sometimes they don't. Um, so it all depends on how sophisticated a designer is because in the end, they definitely come up with the, the, the user interface, the kind of the user experience, the color, the theme, and try to get the visuals of it done. But sometimes they hand it off to a developer and they actually do the coding part where it actually makes it into with HTML and CSS, the coding, and you know, even more further sophistication, you know, even with database and such like that. So you, sometimes when I meet a designer, they're really just making it look pretty and making the, uh, making the colors decisions, font decisions, layout decisions, images, that kind of stuff, the, the visual stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they usually hand it off to a developer to you know, make more sophisticated code and you know, things appear, disappear. You know, when you click the button, it does something. Um, but sometimes you have that middle in-between person where they're somewhat of a designer, but they can do some coding. And sometimes you get a developer who knows how to do somewhat of, of you know, <laughs> colors and prettiness too. And that's where you kind of call it like a full stack, a full stack developer or designer developer. And that's kind of where I play. It's hard for me to say to people, I am just a designer because I know a lot of coding. I know databases. I'm a very technical person, but I also know I can do a lot of prettiness. Um, I think my strength is more of on the, a little bit more on the developer side than as a designer, but I, I feel I do, you know, pretty good, good job designing stuff with colors and pretty and fonts and yeah. <laughs> 
And I think that the, your love of technology is one of the things that drew me to you because I have that love as well and, and love to dive in. I'm not a coder by any means, but I like playing with websites and, and making things happen too. So yeah, so we have so many fun overlaps in our lives, which I, I really know that brought us together to this point today. Yeah. I would love to know what is your favorite part about putting together a website for someone? So the part that I really enjoy, which um, I'm not sure many people have heard about before, is more of the user experience. Mm. So make and design and the UI and the colors and the functionality of the site work so that the user is, is really happy, as well as the person who has the site actually gets the result that they want. So in the essence, you've made this atmosphere um, within a website or even with any sort of uh, application um, so friendly and so enjoyable and so like I want to use it all the time kind of feeling um, is where I, I really like to shine because um, I feel like I could you know put in a little bit of a marketing spin on things and and understand that the, this is what helps the user even though you know a designer can make it look pretty and it looks visually nice but in the end it doesn't function as a person needs it it doesn't do the goal it doesn't make the user do anything that's where I like to shine is I make sure that that the use not only is it pretty, not only functional, but it also does the job that it needs to do. That's where I love it. And that's really huge because it's true what you said. Sometimes when you go to have someone do a website, maybe they're really great at the design. It looks really pretty, but the functionality is not there. Or you have the opposite where it has really cool functionality. It does cool stuff, but it looks a little weird and things are kind of hidden. So having the experience of putting the user first in the way that you work and making sure that the business is putting out something in the online space that the end user, the client or potential client can use and loves to use, I think that's really a special gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole hidden psychology part of it, of, of how people usually experience technology and how, what they expect from it. And, and either to try to, to bend it so people, you know, learn a new new way to use technology or mm -hmm. to understand that, you know, headers always in the top and the footers always at the bottom and that kind of stuff, which some people, you know, they try to live outside the box, but in the end, it doesn't do them justice for their website. Absolutely. So if there's someone watching or listening on the podcast and they're thinking, you know, I really want to put together a website, but I have no idea where to start what would be your first recommendation for them? My first recommendation would be, okay, what is the goal for your site? What are you looking for the site to do for you? Because you can't necessarily decide a platform because I'm, I'm assuming that most likely they'd like to find something that they could do some sort of stuff themselves in. Um, so find out what is that main goal? Because if you pick a plugin, let's say, let's say you know, you, you're a person that, that you know, sells jewelry. But in the end, you know, you, you think about like, oh, I'm going to sell it through my website. You just thought, you know, I just go to craft shows. All I need is something to show that, hey, I'm available. I go to craft shows. You might pick like Wix as a platform. And in the end, you don't have that e-commerce part to it. So then it's like you're stuck into a platform that doesn't actually grow with you. So then figuring out, okay, what is all that I want my website to do and what platform fits it? And then moving on to like content and the, figuring out what those goals are and how you want someone to experience you as a brand um, and to get the information that they want from you. 
And I think it's really an important takeaway too, is thinking about the end goal, because there are lots of do-it-yourself website design things popping up. And I know their whole intention is to make it easy for the user. However, they're not taking into consideration the person who's looking to, to build a website may not be taking into consideration everything they wanna do in the beginning because they don't always know. Right, so I think we're in an interesting age where there's lots of easy things that are popping up, but those easy things may in the end not give the, the designer or the business owner really what they're looking for. So how do you choose a goal? Like how, how would a business owner, or maybe say they have kids at home who are wanting to start dabbling and start to help the neighbors build these websites. Do you have recommendations for them? Uh, for them, I would try to see, okay, what is your, your well, what is your long-term goal? Like, what are you looking to do in, in terms of your whole business plan? And then, you know, hopefully someone who's in business has shrunk those into like smaller plans, like, you know, 90 day, uh, day plan or even shorter than that and try to make the site be whatever that 90 day is. So let's just say you were trying to, um, um, try to think of a, of a goal. Uh, let's just say you're just trying to get people to know that you're, you're around and that you exist. And so maybe trying to build like an email list or, or something to that effect. And so, getting the basics out there of, you know, what is my message? You know, what is, you know, obviously yeah. having a logo, um, how to, how you can contact me and what kind of services or products do I provide? So it's like a general brochure site. That's, that's generally the first step. And then adding from there is, is functionality to try to like either build your email list, like with the landing pages and all that stuff, um, or even going into e-commerce. So try really trying to get in that basic brochure site out there first and, and knowing that there's really, only three three pages that you really need that home page that tells your 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 message mm -hmm. uh, a way to contact you and about those those products or services that you provide that's mainly what people go to website for and that is gold three pages i hope you all caught that three pages when you're starting your website the, the main three pages that you said we needed is the home page a way to contact you and, and about what you do or the services or products you provide. That's huge because I know that when I first went to start building a website and trying to do it myself and piece all the pieces together, I had no idea. Like I didn't know that I needed only those three pages. So sometimes you find these, these pre-templated things and they have, you know, 10 pages and you're trying to fill those things. So thank you for dispelling the myth that you have to have tons and tons and tons of pages to begin. And I also really appreciate that you said, break it down in goals, have a 90 day goal because a website is a living, breathing thing that will never be done. So trying to sit down and do an entire thing in one weekend and thinking you're never gonna have to do anything again yeah. is definitely not the right approach. So, you know, writing out what you can do in the next 30 days and what you can do in the next 60 days. And don't give yourself too much time because I think for me, when I started out from personal experience, I would hem and haw and move things an inch to the left and an inch to the right. And it's so easy to get caught up in that minutia. But now knowing those three pages are the key to really starting the basis of something that could definitely be a more robust website.
Yep, yep. And then adding the analytics on it so you can see how well your message yeah. is received or if people are going to certain pages because the analytics will help you tweak mm -hmm. and move it to, you know, to the right spot so people actually resonate with your website. Yes, and analytics are huge too. And I didn't find out about that until probably fairly recently, I mean, probably within the last five or six years, I didn't really think about that because, you know, the whole goal was to get the website up and running so people could get to it, but nobody could find it because then there were things in the back end that needed to get done. And it's such a fun problem solving exercise to put together this website. Okay. I would love to, to move into colors because it's one of the things that I really wanted to dive into because I never really thought about it the way that you're presenting it to the world. I love that you have all of these different images, a lot of them from nature, which I so resonate with, and you're pulling out this beautiful color palette. And some of these colors, at first glance, I may not have noticed but you're really finding all these complementary colors. So can you, in a simple way, talk about how color can really sort of affect the mood of a website? Right, right. Because, I mean, I've read the statistic that 90% of a snap judgment of like a product or a site is based off color. So colors are very important for a website. And the vibe that you get off it is, is somewhat... I mean, it's not like a hundred percent, like, okay, if you pick certain colors that that's really what's going to resonate with somebody because colors are still a little bit subjective, but mm -hmm. in the end, they do have a common theme, especially in cultures. Cause I know like pink in Japan, you know, guys, you know, they wear pink, they, you know, they enjoy pink, even though now you know, the United States people do too, but you know, in America, pink means a little different. So even though in Japan, pink is, uh, can be considered like a male trait, pink in, in, in I would say in America, in the United States, it's more of a feminine thing. So it's also a little bit of a culture thing. So you can't necessarily say like, you know, red is drama and love, but you know, cause red can be something somewhere else. So when you think about colors for your website, you want to stick to at least five, I'm up to four, <laughs> five colors, because um, you really want to stick to kind of like three main colors. And then you have two optional ones. And of course, this is still all kind of just uh, subjective. You can use as many colors you want really, but to get a, like a really uh, a solid brand put on your website, your brand should have you know up to five colors and, and they should work really well to, together. And that's where, when I create these palettes, I based off of a, a, a photo because in the end that photo kind of gives you a vibe and you can kind of feel that vibe. And so taking colors off of that, you know, help you create your brand quite easily. Um, and, and when you put that onto a website, you kind of, get that feeling on the website as well kind of how it goes no and and that's super too because again i think when people go into diy a website they're thinking about color sort of like you said subjectively where it's sort of an afterthought versus how do they work together how am i going to incorporate the colors so if someone out there is starting or they're curious about maybe changing the colors of their own website and finding a palette that works for them is there a resource, a website you could recommend that they go take a look at to be inspired by the literally hundreds of thousands of choices out there? Um, I mean, you can always go to Pinterest. What I would recommend, especially if you don't really have a brand set for yourself, is to, you know, go into Pinterest, create an account, of course, create a board that's specifically for your brand, 
find elements that you like. Like there's pictures out there, um, like either on the, in the on Google, you know, when you search for images or within Pinterest, and pull things that you feel resonate with you and what you're what you're representing for your your company or your brand. And then slowly you'll start to notice the the textures that you commonly use, the colors you're commonly kind of guiding towards. And then at that point, you can kind of whittle it down to be a little more specific. Um, mm -hmm. And then you eventually come up with that color. If you really want to get into color theory and how, you know, generally for at least United States culture has sees these colors, you mm -hmm. can always go, you know, um, the meaning of color into Google. And it'll, you know, it'll come up with the ideas of, you know, like, here's a, what these colors represent. Like mm -hmm. orange is fun and fresh or, or blue is more like loyalty, honor, and trust. So, you know, you can kind of guide yourself into those colors that represent who you are. Like my colors. My colors are pink and navy. So it's more of a trust and calm, um, loyalty kind of thing, as well as pink, which is a bit more feminine and sensitive and caring and love. And that's kind of represents what my brand is, is to, you know, a trustful, loving area, hopefully, for people to do websites. <laughs> Well, and I know you work with a lot of creatives as well to help them really bring what they're creating in their own lives and in their businesses online in a really meaningful way. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, I generally go towards creatives when building mm -hmm. stuff because I am I have a creative in my own way. But I've always grown up in, in a creative uh, mentality. My family, we've done a lot of crafting. We've done a lot of, of painting. We did a lot of art. So it's, it's kind of natural for me. So to marry my my technology love that I have with my creativeness, it's just like a natural thing. So when I meet up with like crafters or people who are trying to sell things like their jewelry and their wares, it's just like I can talk their language because I've been the craft fairs. I do craft fairs. I do crafting still. I make my own jewelry. I do a lot of stuff that's just fun on the side. Um, so I get what they're coming from. And that's a really important distinction, too, because I know I've hired web designers and developers in the past, and typically they don't speak the same language that I do because, like you, I'm a creative. So the questions they're asking me sometimes don't really work the way that I need them to ask. So I know finding that right person who can guide you in the process can be a really huge critical step in really getting what you want because... You know, if you're not a crafter and you're going to a web designer and they're a crafter like Mary Jo, then it makes it easy. But if you go to somebody who works mostly in the corporate space and they don't understand crafting and they're not necessarily super creative, I think it's a little bit harder for them to guide somebody into the right area to get what they want in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's why I have a lot of people, especially designers, that go into a niche. They have people who are do just um, like hairstyling or um, a salon type of, of a clients. They have people who only do dog walking clients because yes. that's the realm that they they're really comfortable in. It doesn't mean that that's the only people they do, but it's kind of like their 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 niche. They're the thing that they really do well. Yeah, and I think that's really super smart too because. It's really just nice to work with somebody to create something together when you have things in common because it feels like a better result in the end, for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to know, when you go to look at different websites, maybe somebody is wanting to hire you to help them create their first website or revamp their website, are there some common mistakes 
that you see over and over again? Uh, common mistakes that I would say I generally see is one is really, really long text. So yeah, nowadays people are obviously not very patient. They can be, but you know, a lot of the time they're, they want the answer now because they want to go do something else or they want to go look at another website or go watch YouTube. But, but yeah, generally it's like really, really long text. I'm like, okay, for one, we need to strengthen this text because even though it's great words, people, they need shorter text. They, that's just yeah. how they are. Another thing is, is um, they might have used a WordPress theme that's very limiting and doesn't, it's not very flexible. And so you can't really just, you know, easily change or add additional stuff. You have to like build more. And it's just like, well, if you got a, a, a theme that at least costs some money, because it's not like it's going to break the bank, but you know, pay for your theme versus a free one, you're going to get a better a theme to work with. It's going to be better for your search engine. It's also, um, hopefully more flexible as well. Um, basically when you get something free, you're probably going to have the same website as someone that's probably two stores down <laughs> and that's not a great experience. That's not a very unique, that's not really branded. So those are really the two biggest things I normally see. And the point about paying for something, because you really do get what you pay for. For a long time, I was using those free templates because I didn't have a lot of money to invest in building a website. But it was so frustrating because, like you said, it is so limiting. You can only do certain things. You know, images can only be in certain places on your website. You can't move them around. So finally, when I realized that when you buy a theme, you have really so much control about how it works. So I think that really is key. So as we are wrapping up our amazing discussion, I would love to know if there were three pieces of advice you could give to somebody who is looking to either start a website or renovate the site they have, what would you recommend? Um, I would recommend like, think about that goal. Think about the end goal that you want your website to be as best as you can. Obviously things change, but think about that goal. Um, I would think about your brand, make sure your brand is, 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 is implemented on your website correctly. And it's not just, you know, haphazard. Um, and then really think about what experience you want your user to be, because yes. that's the main thing is whatever, whatever the site is built like and, and structured, you might be frustrating your user, you might be turning them away. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what experience are you experiencing? If you use the site or even find like three to five people and have them just say, Hey, look at my site. Tell me what you think I do, or tell me what, what you think you can do from my site. And if they can't say or tell you exactly what you're expecting it to do for you, then there's something wrong with your website and you need to change it. <laughs> well, and that's really important too, because having people look at it before maybe it goes live, like that's a pretty critical piece that I, I know that I've made that mistake before and I think it looks a certain way, but yeah, the user experience is terrible on the other side. So definitely those are some great recommendations. You know, think about your goal, think about your brand, and really, really think about that user experience because in the end, that's what's going to help your, your business be more successful is if the user is having a great experience being on your site. Mary Jo, can you tell us where we can find you online to really dive in and look at some of those beautiful palettes that you've put together to give us all some more inspiration? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Um, if you know, facebook.com slash MJ Stabler. Just look for Mary Jo Stabler. I'm, I'm there. 
I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on Pinterest. Um, as well as you can go to my website, which then links to all of them, which would be pretty handy. And that's just MaryJoStabler.com. <laughs> it's just basically my name. Fantastic. And I, I'll go ahead and put those down below in the comments so people can link directly to you. And I also want to say hello to everyone who is joining us. Camille, Cindy Lou, I know it's super early for you. Thank you for getting up to be here with us today. I know my friend Becca was here. So I want to thank you all for taking time out of your day to be here live, or if you're watching the replay, come back, ask questions, leave your comments. Mary Jo and I will come back and, and reply to anything you put in there. Mary Jo, I want to thank you for your time today, and I want to thank you for the amazing amount of creativity and love and passion that you are sharing with the world. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Well, I'm Young Pratt, Chief Dreamer at Our Young Creators, and we've just had a wonderful conversation with Mary Jo Stabler. So my friends, thank you again for joining us. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Cheers. If you're ready to harness the power of technology and get your message out into the world in a big way to make the impact you know you were meant to make for yourself, for your business, or with your family, head over to Instagram or Facebook and message me at Our Young Creators and let me know that you're ready to be our next graduate in the upcoming podcast in a weekend class.